going to be talking about why following Jesus is difficult. And, you know, have you noticed that sometimes following Jesus can be a little difficult? And, you know, because a lot of times we just, we, wanna, we want our preferences in life. And, and, some, and most of the time, a lot of the time, if you're really going to have that abundant life in Jesus Christ, it's not going to be about us, again, be, like last week, being comfortable. But it's not, and it's not going to be about our preferences, but it's going to be about... Jesus and picking up our crosses and following him. Everybody say amen. Now, this is a very familiar story, and this is the story really of Joseph and Mary. So let's look at Matthew chapter 1 in verses 18 to 25. Um, you know, when we talk about following Jesus, and, um, you know, I think that a lot of us are, are surrounded by lots of different people, and, and, and different people with different people, it's easier sometimes to follow Jesus than others. Would you would you agree with that? Um, when we're, when we're part of a group of friends who are serving the Lord, it's easier for us to serve the Lord. And as a church, when we're all serving the Lord, it's easier for us to serve the Lord. Wouldn't you say so, everybody? I think so. And this year, we've really um, discipled that, um, and, and that's been our theme throughout the year of 2016, is just for our church to be the church that God has intended. And I think we've just made a lot of gain there with that. Don't y'all believe that? And I see so much deeper communion and, and so much outreach and with our church, and that's great. And um, because we, we, we don't want to be like the church down the street, right? We, we want to be like the church in the book of Acts. Everybody say amen. We, we want, that's our roots, and we want to be exactly what God wants us to be. So our theme for 2016 is deepening our communion with one another, number one. And number two is, is, is becoming soul winners and understanding that all of us have a responsibility to, to reach out and to reach in and to reach people for Jesus Christ. And, and like we've said, we're not going to be satisfied unless we've got that, that baptistry going every Sunday morning and we, got this, we get this altar full of people repenting and giving themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ because, because we as a church, our main purpose and goal is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and we are, we are to, we were to rescue, we were to help God rescue these souls that are otherwise dying and going to hell. That's why we're here, and that's why we come to church on Sunday mornings, is so we can all come together and huddle, and huddle together, and, and, and get encouraged in, in the name of Jesus Christ, and putting our gifts together, and you put your gift in, and you put your different gift in, and you put your different gift in. We all come together on Sunday morning, we take those gifts, and we go out, and we reach this world for Jesus Christ, because if we don't, nobody else is going to and they're going to die and go to hell and that's important so when we serve christ it's easy to serve christ when when it's about our preferences and about where we're comfortable but when it gets any more than that it becomes difficult for us and so this morning i wanted us to see that it's our perspective is why and it's no other reason Okay, look with me at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, and, um, and we find it here, and it says, well, let me give you this real quick. When we talk about the abundant life in Jesus Christ, John 10, 10 tells us that Jesus gives us life. Everybody say amen. He, when, we, when, when, we, when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we're all given life. We're all given life as God intended it from day one. But he sent his, but, but because of sin, it ruined that. And, and Jesus came to this earth, and that's what we celebrate Christmas about, of course, is the birth of our Savior. 
But when you and I accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we are given life, and we're given it more abundantly. Now our, our bodies may die, but our spirits are going to live forever and ever with Jesus Christ. That's that, that's, that's, it, we're, we're to have that life and we have it more abundantly. Psalm 1611 says that in God's presence is fullness of joy. Isn't that good? Only in God's presence is there fullness of joy. I tell you, I love my wife and I really, really love my grandchildren and they give me great joy. But you know, that joy is nothing compared to the fullness of joy that we can have in a relationship with God. Now you take that and we call that abundant life. Now let me throw in Matthew chapter 16. And it says that all of us are to pick up our crosses and we're to follow Jesus. Now, what does that mean? And I know we've heard sermons over and over on this, but what exactly does that mean? Now, I don't know what kind of image that gives to you, the cross. Pick up your cross and follow him. Remember, we're talking about, 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 about authority in Jesus and abundant life in him. And we're on the other side, we're contrasting preference but what, is that, what kind of image do you have when you think about picking up your cross and following Jesus? Well, today, you know, and it's not wrong, but a lot of you today are wearing jewelry. You're, you, got, you got a cross. You got, you know, you, some of you might have maybe out of a gold. It's in a necklace. And, and some of you may have crosses hanging on your walls, and that's wonderful and great. But I, I want you to understand the significance of picking up our cross and following him. Now, back, back then when this was written in Matthew chapter 16, back then it was this, a cross was a symbol of oppression, torture, and death. And, a, and, and the symbol of a cross was horror to the people who saw it. Now, hold on. It was because we, also, we, often, we often think of the cross as a symbol of the church. Well, we've made it that, um, and, and, and sure enough, it should be, I think. But, but back in the early church, you know, they didn't have crosses up at all the local New Testament churches. Actually, the first symbol of Christianity was an anchor. And then, of course, cultures have progressed and different things. But I want you to take it back into the context of Matthew chapter 16 of when Jesus says, pick up your cross in following him. It meant death, everybody. It meant death. I, I kind of thought about this, and I wrote this down. So in those days, uh, the normal nice people, they probably didn't get uh, a cross tattooed on them. If you have one, don't, don't, it's okay. We, we, we know it's okay. But, um, but back in those days, imagine you went over to someone's house, uh, or imagine today that, that you go over to someone's house, and, and you, you look into the baby's room, and above the crib they have a hangman's, hangman's noose. That'd be kind of creepy, wouldn't it? Right? Because what does a hangman's noose mean? It means death, right? You know, what if, what if you um, went to their kitchen and above their kitchen table they had a picture of an electric chair? Or you go in their family room and there's this picture of a firing squad. I, I tell you what, you don't stay for dinner, number one. <laughs> and you certainly don't let your kids go over there for a play day. But what I want us to understand this morning in this Matthew chapter 16 thing and this abundant life and this following Jesus Christ, it's not about our preferences. It's about picking up our cross. And, and so when we read in Matthew chapter 16, often we think, okay, I'm picking up my cross. I'm picking up what Jesus Christ 
did for me. I'm picking up my Christianity. No, that's not what it means. What it means is that when we pick up our cross is that we die to ourselves. We die to our preferences. We die to our comfortability. We die to our dreams and to our hopes. Now, does that sound like abundant life to y'all? It is. Because it's only in Jesus Christ, in the fullness of God's glory, that we can have that when we die to ourselves, when we serve him unconditionally, and when we serve him with all glory given to our Savior, Jesus Christ. That is really what abundant life is, and that's when we start enjoying that really great abundance of we have in, in, in our Savior. Now, we come to Matthew chapter 1, and let's read that together. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. What I want us to see this morning is this, Joseph and Mary, for them to follow God in this thing, was it blows my mind. I, I, we're going to read the story here, and I know you know the story, and maybe, maybe we don't often think about this, but, but, but I think God sets out the tone First day when he comes, when he comes to this earth and he's and, and the Holy Ghost has made Mary pregnant, I, I think we see four great principles in which um, God shows us that that how we must follow him. Because he because when he arrived in the, in, through the Holy Ghost and, 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 and with Mary and Joseph, we we see some astounding things here, and I think that we can take that and show of how we live our lives. And so and so we're going to answer some questions here. Matthew chapter one. Uh, look at verse 18. Now, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly or privately now okay let's 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 put this into context just for a minute and let's let's talk a minute about betrothal betrothal or being espoused now this was the jewish custom called kedushin everybody say that three times real fast it's called the jewish custom is called kedushin and and here's what it was a young man and his fiance would legally follow me here they legally would get married but they would have to wait one whole year before they were allowed to live together and to consummate their marriage, if you will, which has to be the dumbest tradition ever invented. Can I have an amen out there? <laughs> but one of the reasons uh, was to make sure that the girl was pure. That was the reason, and there are some other reasons, and, and, but you know, that way also, too, that the husband could go out and get the money put together because you know, he would kind of pay for his bride, okay, which is, which is reason 621 that I'm glad I don't live in those days I live in today, all right? But you see, in those days, marriages were arranged. Your parents got to choose and again, that's 639 reason why I'm glad I live today. I'd hate for my parents to have chosen my wife because they, they couldn't have done any better than me. Amen, everybody? But it was during that time that, that they, it was to make sure that she was pure, that she wasn't pregnant. But in every other way, during the betrothal, you were considered, considered married. In this espoused time, they were legally married. Understand that. And then to get out of that, you had to have an official divorce. Now, 
During this betrothal period, notice, notice here in these verses that Mary shows up pregnant. Everybody, she shows up pregnant. Can you imagine just for a minute how painful and humiliating this was for Mary? I mean, where did this baby come from, right? I mean, we know the angel spoke to her, but, but how about Joseph? Can you imagine how embarrassing this was? Have you ever wondered why God did it like this? Why, why didn't he choose a, a, a young virgin woman that wasn't espoused or, 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 in, or a betrothed to a, to a man? Why did he have to choose this woman who was already legally married? I mean, that sounds... In my mind, I'm thinking, why would he do that? Everybody ever thought about that before? Why did he do it this way? Why would it have been like this? I mean, it would have been hard. What would it have been like to, to hear this from the girl you just married and that you haven't slept with yet? Here's your wife, and she comes to you, and she says, hey, I'm, I'm pregnant. Now, Joseph, of course, he, he doesn't believe her. You know, he's like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, right. The Holy Ghost got you pregnant, and I guess he gave, gave I guess, and I guess he also gave you a pet unicorn when he left or something. But, but, uh, but Joseph was forever what it was worth. He was a good guy. The Bible says he was righteous, he was upright, and he was kind. And so it says that he arranged to break the betrothal quietly, legally. He could have had her stone put to death. Do you understand that? So again, do you ever wonder why God did it this way? Think about it. It ruined their reputations. It ruined their reputations. It was a scandal. The angel didn't show up and explain the situation to everybody else. He didn't send out a news bulletin to everybody. Everyone else from that point on thought of Mary as an impure woman and probably even as a harlot. As far as we know, there was never any clarification or vindication for Mary course until the new testament is written some 30 or 40 years later just because mary and joseph listen and i want to put this in context just because mary and joseph lived 2,000 years ago don't assume that they were vastly different from all of us they had dreams of a perfect marriage just like every little girl does their dreams were shattered they were ruined not by an angry mother-in-law but by god himself in this abundant life, this is what's called picking up your cross and following Jesus Christ, everybody. This is our first lesson into, into how we're to follow our, our Lord. Why did God do it this way? And I think that the Holy Spirit is laying, laying out a pattern from Jesus' birth for how people ought to follow him. Look at me in, at, with verses 20 to 25. Let's read that, and then we'll look at four elements here. Verse 20, it says, But when he had considered this, what Mary had told him. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. You see, everybody look up just for a minute. So back in those days, they were betrothed or espoused, and they would legally get married, and then they'd go through this one, this one year, and they did really everything as husband and wife, but they didn't live together. They never consummated their marriage. Again, this is a purity thing. But at the end of that one year... Then, then the dowry was given to the family, and then there was a big wedding feast that would last one month. Is a really big deal. So the Holy Spirit is saying, don't be afraid, Joseph. Go ahead and finish out this time with Mary. And, it, and then he assures her, 
for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she will bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. In verse 23, we know it in, in Isaiah, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. God is with us, which translate means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep, and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife. But he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. In other words, they, they weren't together from that time until she got pregnant, and then she, he waited for, for a whole other year. And, you know, that's, that's crazy. But anyways, look here with me at four things, what following Jesus looks like. Number one, it's not on the screen, but write this down. Number one, we see four elements. Number one, what following Jesus looks like. Trust, number one, trust and absolute obedience. Trust and absolute obedience. Now, Joseph had to believe the impossible, and he had to risk everything on it. Right, everybody? He had to believe, he had to believe what, what he was being told, and he had to put everything on it. Hey, listen, he, he had to believe what the Holy Spirit said, and he had to risk everything on it. How many of us have really accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and we're willing to risk everything on what we believe? I mean everything. What, what we do is we departmentalize things, don't we, sometimes, a lot of the times. And we're, but are we truly risking? Look, look at Joseph. He was asked to risk everything, not some of it, but all of it. He was supposed to take it in, in, in absolute authority in God's word, and he, was, and he was to trust in absolute obedience. Now, you don't do that because Jesus is your preference, but because you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Everybody say amen. You, you don't risk everything because he's a preference. You're only going to risk everything when you believe that he is Jesus, that he is God, and that he come to this world and that he died, and you believe that he rose from the grave. That's when you risk everything. But when Jesus is just your preference, you don't risk a whole lot. You know, missionaries don't go to the third world countries because it's their preference, leaving their families. You don't go there because you love foreign cultures, but it's because you believe in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, that says that only by the name of Jesus Christ are men called to be saved. Can I have an amen? Right? You know, you know. Um, uh, I'm just going to throw it out there, and I'm not. This is just this is my personal story. You may have heard it before, but you know, um, I was sitting pretty good. You know, 20, 20 something, 20 plus years ago, and I owned a couple auto parts stores and a machine shop and some rental properties, and we 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 owned our own home, and we were making great money, and we had our four kids, and life was great. Life was great, but then Jesus come knocking on my door. And, you know, um, he wasn't just my preference. 
He, he was my savior. And, and you know, you don't just give up those things because he's a preference. You give up those things because you believe who he is. And listen, all of us, I'm not saying I'm any better than anybody else because I make plenty of mistakes myself and I'm not always like that. But we have to get into our minds that he's not a preference. And so when we follow Jesus, when he tells us to pick up our cross and follow him, when we're talking about abundant life, listen, it's not about a preference. It's about do you really believe who he is? If you do, then you'd risk it all. Amen, everybody? That's what Joseph, we see here, he's risking it all. He risked it all because because in following Jesus, there has to be absolute obedience to him. You know, um, we're building a new facility. Everybody listen close. And we got a lot of people out today, and the cold weather scared them off. And... Anyways, I won't go into that, but, um, but, but, but we're, not, we're not building a new building because we, we want a nicer building, because, because we're trying to be as good or better than someone else. We want to build something for the future. We're doing it because, because Jesus Christ is life. And that Jesus Christ is a resurrection. And we're doing it because we, 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 we want to rescue those souls that are being lost and dying and going to hell. Everybody say amen. You know, um, the only reason that any of us will ever do any of this is because that we believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and that his promises are true and that his kingdom is eternal. Amen. In fact, let me just say this. If any of us struggle being sacrificial, let me tell you why. It's because we lack confidence in the promises of the unseen God. You know, people who lack confidence in God's promises, you know, they're going to throw some guilt money. They're going to do some guilt things. But they'll never give it in a sustained, sacrificial way. Absolute confidence is, let me say this. That's one side of it. But absolute confidence, let me tell you this, is to forgive someone who's hurt you. It takes a bold confidence in God's forgiveness and his ability to work all things for good. Amen, everybody? What we're saying is, is that when Jesus is just our preference, we'll hold grudges against people and we won't do this and we won't do that. But what we see here, that to follow Jesus means, means that, we, that we absolutely are obedient to him and we risk it all. If someone has hurt us because of who God is and what we believe about Jesus Christ, we're going to forgive them. Right, everybody? We're going to serve him because the risk is worth it all. There's going to be absolute obedience. Number two, number two, when we follow Jesus, also there's an acceptance of a sentence of death. Acceptance of a sentence of death. Now, look at this back in our storyline. Mary's betrothal pregnancy put her under a literal death sentence in Jewish law. Did you know that? Joseph, because they were legally married and she comes up pregnant, what did that mean? That meant she had an affair. Well, according to the Levitical law, if your wife was unfaithful to you, you could take her up to the front gates where all the big guys met up there, and you could tell them, hey, this woman has cheated on me, and uh, I want her stoned and put to death. But follow me on this as well, too. Beyond that, Mary and Joseph, listen to this. And as we're talking about following Jesus and what Joseph shows us is, is Mary and Joseph had to die to their good name. They had to die to their good name. 
um, the, their cherished dreams, their families, and their homelands. I mean, if you read the story about Jesus, they had to flee from where they were, and then after Jesus was born, they had to flee out of the country. I mean, you talking about being obedient, you talking about accepting this sentence of death, and that's what it is for us. We have to be willing to die to ourselves daily. Amen? God is going to direct us in our lives to have to die daily. You know, I, I, I'm excited about these, some of these young, young guys. You know, um, God has already spoke to some of these young people, and we had, you know, there's already two going to um, 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 Bible college and, and, and getting ready to go into full-time ministry, and we have two more that surrendered and who's going. Can we give the Lord a hand on that? You know, that's, you know, listen... <laughs> For all of us as born-again believers, we all have got to assume that death sentence and that, and that when we give Jesus Christ our lives, that, listen, what we're saying is, Lord, it's not what, what my dreams are, but it's what your dreams are. And it doesn't mean that God's not going to give us our dreams either, but we have to put him in priority. We've got to pick up our crosses and follow him, just like Joseph and Mary did in this wonderful and beautiful story. Number three, number three, self-denial. Verse 25 tells us that Joseph didn't know Mary. That means he, didn't, he wasn't intimate with her until after the birth of Jesus. Not only did he have to wait a year and betrothal, he waited another year. And I think that's significant. Now look, following Jesus means denying yourself some things you might otherwise enjoy. If you are going to follow Jesus, you have to consent to do things in his way, even if it means denying yourself some things that you might otherwise want or have. If you're going to have Jesus in your family, you're going to have to do things his way. Young people, all people, we don't have premarital sex. If you want Jesus in your family, and if you want his blessings and be in the abundant life, you have to have some self-denial. Can I, amen? I know we're talking to a mixed group here, but I'm just telling you straight up what it is. Look, we, we, we have to have some self-denial. If we want Jesus Christ in our family, if we want him to be pleased with us, then we have to do things his way, not our ways, because he's not a preference, he's a priority. And we have to be absolutely obedient to him, and we have to have self-denial in our lives. And, of course, that goes in all different areas, coming to church, being part of the fellowship, serving one another. It takes self-denial, everybody. Self-denial, self-denial. D, number four, there needs to be a willingness to embrace inconvenience. Here we go. When we're serving him, there's got to be self-denial, but there also has to be willingness to embrace inconvenience. Do you realize how much Jesus' birth complicated Joseph's life? Messed up his relationship with his family a laughing stock to his friends, his job. And again, like we said, eventually he had to move over and start over again. Look, serving Jesus is rarely convenient. We said that last week. Many don't volunteer at church. Why? Because it's not convenient. Let me just tell you something. If, you're, if, if, if the only ministry you have is a convenient ministry, I don't think you're doing ministry. And everybody should be doing ministry. The people in our church who serve our community, 
don't do so because it's convenient, but because they are committed to Jesus Christ. Talk about giving. It's not always convenient to give, but we're commanded to give. Amen? Hold on. Amen? You know? I'm going to say it again. If we're just looking to be convenient, (laughs) serve when it's convenient, I don't really believe that we're really serving as God has called us to serve. Now, I look out here and I see a lot of people who serve when it's inconvenient. But look, serving Jesus Christ is worth everything or anything that we can do. Just about, I I thought about this, you know, just about every one of our public school programs need mentors. You know, our children's ministry needs mentors. Our, 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 our growing student ministry needs more people helping out there. They're going, they're, when y'all leaving, Sean, in a couple of weeks, in two Mondays, they're going, they're going to, to a ski trip. Now, you can't go on that one, all right? You, you got to, <laughs> I'm just playing around. But we got to serve. But look, we don't do it because it's convenient. You do it because Jesus has told us to serve the least of these, Right? I know not every ministry is for every person, but do you have a ministry that is inconvenient for you? If not, I'd say there's a really good chance you're not following Jesus the way that he's asked us to. Um, you know, our, our band, you know, they put a lot of hours in. It's inconvenient. They have families. So I appreciate that. Look, sharing Christ is rarely, in, is, is rarely convenient, right, everybody? But, you know, um, we got to share Christ. Who else is going to do it? The atheist? Huh? You want to let somebody from victory witness? No. We all got to witness Jesus Christ. And guess what? It's not always going to be convenient. You know, when I get into the elevator or when I get into a restaurant and, and, and you know, I, I've got to purpose myself to get out of my comfort zone and stop worrying about Ron Fox and witness Jesus Christ and just be an ear, give him a hug, have a word of prayer with them. Look, it's not going to be convenient, but we're all commanded to do it. And if we're going to follow Jesus Christ the way that he wants to be followed, then we got to do it. Amen? Even when it's not convenient. So then you're asking, well, how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, we see in these verses that there's some str- that where the strength comes from to follow Jesus. And here they are, just real quick. Real quick. Now, notice in verse 23, it says, behold. Now, this word behold in the Greek is, is I do. I do. And it's a command for us to stop and to pay attention. It's a very strong word. And so he tells us, behold. Because when you see this... We're going to have the strength to do what God is asking. Number one, where the strength is to follow Jesus, where does it come from? In his kept promise. I want you to take a look at this. And and when we get into verse 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, of course, it means God is with us. Now, this is actually a quote from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Now, follow me here. Originally, it was given to King and King Ahaz's time, and he wasn't a very good king. But when the armies of Syria were about to attack and destroy his kingdom, that's when this promise was given during that time, 700 years before the birth of Christ. Let me say it again. This promise was given 700 years before Christ. And we know we can go back to Genesis 2, and there's the promise of the Messiah. But this very text was given... 700 years before the birth of Christ, the times looked dark, 
for Israel. It looked like the enemies were going to take them and so forth and so on. But here's what I want, but here's what we should see from this is that God keeps all of his promises. Every single one of them. Look, he keeps them. Our trust in God should not be based on how, on how, on how, on how we want our lives to be preferenced, but on what the promises of God are in our lives, everybody. And that should give us confidence to follow him in everything that we do. By the way, let me just say this. Joseph was able to have that kind of faith because he knew the word of God. And I got a quote here I want to read you. But, but many people waver in faith because you don't really know the word of God. But here's a quote I want, you to, I want to read you, and here's what it is. The strength of your faith cannot exceed your knowledge of the promises of God. Let me read it again. The strength of your faith cannot exceed your knowledge of the promise of God. So you, 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 you're not going to have a whole lot of obedience and, 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 and go forth and stretch if you don't know the word of God because it's not, it can't, it's not going to exceed that. All right? Number two, um, we see it by his name. The power comes through his name. Now, this baby is given two names in these verses, Jesus and Emmanuel. We all know what they mean. That, that, but, but what it means is this, that the first name Jesus indicates uh, what he does, and that is he saves, Jesus. And the second name is Emmanuel, which is God is with us. In those two names, Joseph got a picture of the glory of God. Listen, seeing God as Jesus and Emmanuel gave Joseph the strength to follow him. For Joseph, when he had these two names, Emmanuel, God is with us, it empowered him knowing that God was with us. This name Jesus that he saves, that's all he needed because, again, life-serving God wasn't about preference, but it was about obedience, everybody. And that power come through Jesus. God is with us that saves Amen. Let me ask the band to come on up just just for a minute and and um, and uh, make that transition here. The band, come on up real quick. Hey, Cornerstone. God needs our obedience. Um, we shouldn't settle for anything less than than than. All obedience given to our to our King of Kings, our Lord of Lords. Amen, everybody. And um, there has to be self denial. There has to be absolute obedience. And and we need to do these things unwavering and understand that um, Jesus is not a preference, but He's an absolute in our lives. And I hope that encourages you. But um, as the music starts starts up here, I got one last question for you. One last question. And it's this, what would have happened had Joseph not chosen this route? If he'd chosen the easy route and not believed the angel, and if he divorced Mary and cast her aside, married a different girl, guess what? He might have gotten that storybook wedding that he always wanted. Maybe he had a little nice business, 
but he would have missed out on Jesus Christ. Cornerstone, if we're not doing it God's way, I wonder what we're missing out on in that abundant life that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's all stand and let's bow our heads and just an attitude of prayer. Everybody heads bowed and guess what happens if you choose the easy life? Guess what happens if you choose the easy life? You choose not to forgive. You choose not to sacrifice. You choose not to serve. You choose only to serve when it's convenient. You choose not to give to the kingdom of heaven. You make all the excuses you want. It's too cold outside. I don't have enough money. I don't have this. I can't do that. I'm not as qualified as that person. Guess what happens if you choose the easy life? You miss out on Jesus and his plan for you. That's what you miss out on. It's worth it. And it's worth it, Cornerstone, because God keeps his promises. And Jesus is worth the pain and the shame and the shattered dreams. And even if death comes, because Jesus is worth it. Jesus.